Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We give you all the viral stories that are just about to drop. Just please, oh please, oh please, oh please don't let this flop. If you keep scrolling, scrolling, scrolling and you're never gonna stop, then please, oh please, oh please, oh please don't let this flop. From stupid songs and dances, all the cultural advances, we will cover them from bottom to the top. Just please, oh please, oh please, oh please, I promise you'll appease our please, oh please, you please don't let this flop. Hi, I'm EJ Dixon. And I'm Brittany Spanos. Welcome to Don't Let This Flop. A podcast about TikTok and internet culture brought to you by Rolling Stone. Um, I was trying to think up like <laughs> what the perfect segue for this our first segment would be like if we were on like NPR <laughs> or something. It's a it, it's I want you it's about we need to talk about Bruno and like yeah. its popularity on TikTok. But like what do you think? What do you think the segue would be if it was like NPR or the New York Times? <laughs> Maybe we're not supposed to talk about Bruno, but TikTok can't stop talking about him. Yeah, I was thinking that. That was definitely their like, we don't talk about Bruno. Specifically, we don't talk about how TikTok is obsessed with the earworm hit from Disney's Encanto. <laughs> Bo- both good options. They're both good. <laughs> I, I, I guess we'll go with both. We don't need to choose. <laughs> So we need to talk about, you haven't seen Encanto yet, right, Brittany? I have not. I've seen it probably about five times so far. Oh my God. Is Dude, your son obsessed with it or is, are you? He's like growing obsessed with it. Yeah. He's growing, he's like steadily on the trajectory where he will be obsessed with it. Yeah. Um, that usually takes like three or four watches. Um, and he's on like his fourth or fifth. But we watched it a lot in COVID quarantine. Mm-hmm. And the first time I watched it with him, I cried and he leaned over and he said, mom, your tears smell. which is really fucking rude (laughs) of him um but it's a pretty good movie um and there it's written the music is written by lin-manuel miranda Mm -hmm. um not the score but the songs yeah and we need to talk about bruno is sort of like it's an ensemble number it's classic lin-manuel miranda it's musical theater inspired essentially it's about um, the movie centers on this family in Colombia. The Madrigal family is basically um, they're all magical except for the main character mm-hmm. Mirabel, um, who's played by Stephanie Beatriz, and um, Bruno is sort of like the outcast of the family because his special power is that he tells the future, but he only tells the future like when it's bad. Yeah. So people don't don't want to hear from him. So this whole number is like. It's a Latin music inspired, like, um, you know, very poppy number. Um, yeah. And it's gone crazy viral. Um, it's charting on Billboard. It's number five on the hot chart right now, which is the highest position for a Disney song since Let It Go mm-hmm. in 2014. And it's interesting because it wasn't really, the movie itself wasn't a big hit first at all. Like when it was released theatrically, it kind of underperformed. It did very well 
streaming on Disney+. Plus. And one of the side effects of that is that over Christmas break, We Don't Talk About Bruno has become a huge hit on TikTok, seemingly somewhat organically, just on the strength of the song alone. I feel like, you know, I think the timing of being able to, like, during the holiday season, like, a Disney movie was always a good and safe bet, I feel like, for, like, family viewing. So, like, the timing of it blowing up makes sense, you know? Like, it's, like, that sort of um, just, like general energy behind it, like for people to kind of gravitate towards it. And also I saw a lot of people, I feel like even though I haven't seen the movie and I've gotten the song on my For You page a lot, but I've also seen a lot of thirst for the actress Jessica Darrow, who plays Louisa. Mm -hmm. That's what I've seen all over my For You page too, is like people are like really, really thirsty for Louisa. What does she look like? The actual character or the actress who plays Louisa? The actress. Let me see what she looks like. Yeah. I think this is, like, one of her first roles. Like, she's, like, really new. If the, if not her first big major role. I think Oh, it my is. God. She's super hot. Yeah, she's super hot. Holy shit. That song so slaps, too. Lot, and she's on TikTok, so I've seen a lot, of, a lot of thirst content for her. Yeah, I really like, I really like how everybody is cosplaying the different characters. Yeah. Um, it seems, it seems very wholesome. Um, mostly, I think it's funny because I've been thinking a lot about Lin-Manuel Miranda recently, actually, like as of this week, because I wrote this piece a couple years ago about um, how Gen Z finds Lin-Manuel Miranda really cringy. Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about this before. A little bit, yeah. Like the the general anti-LMM sentiment on TikTok. Like, and it's not super surprising because, I mean, as huge of a fan base as Hamilton has... Like, there is definitely a strain of his persona that's very, like, aggressively musical theater kid and very, like, aggressively Obama-era optimist millennial Gen Xer. Um, he's cringe. Which is, he's definitely cringe. Yeah. He's yeah, definitely a, cringe. a really good piece in, in The Atlantic that Caitlin Tiffany wrote about how cringe came from, became, like, less so of where we would just kind of casually call things cringe. So, like, the idea of being cringe has become, like, the worst thing you can do on the internet. And Lin-Manuel is a perfect example of that, where he's just, like, full-time cringe. And therefore, it is the worst way to exist. And he's not cringe for being... It's not not that he's bad, because everybody sort of unilaterally agrees that Lin-Manuel Miranda's a genius. Yeah. It's, It's more just that every aspect of his persona is, like, so wholly earnest it's the worst time it's, it's the worst part of millennial culture right like i feel like there's like sort of that like hamilton is one of the last dregs of like like peak millennial universal culture in a lot of ways like i feel like that was like such a big thing in sort of like you know hashtag resistance and like millennial identity pop cultural yeah like pop cultural identity um so that exactly. sometimes the way that it gets used and the way that Lin-Manuel Miranda gets used in pop culture becomes more cringe. Like, you think of, like, the, um, you know, January 6th stuff and Hamilton performing Dear Theodosia. <laughs> you know, like, that. that's cringe. That was cringe. That was a really cringe moment. When Hamilton itself is a great show, not canceled, it's still really big. But the way that it gets used in culture is very cringe. And the way that Lin-Manuel right. is actively a part of those moments makes it more cringe. Right. It's sort of like the establishment, it's the establishment's version of progressivism, basically, yes. is yeah. Hamilton. Like, and and the fact that Nancy Pelosi, you know, introduces Lin-Manuel and, you know, the entire Hamilton cast 
sings that song to commemorate January like January sixth. Yeah. Like that's that's like the apex of cringe. And I was think I was thinking about the sort of the return of goodwill to Lin Manuel Miranda in the context of that moment earlier last week, and also in the context of this piece that came out um, by this writer, Yair Rosenberg, that was talking about how, um, basically, (laughs) the piece was talking about how, like, Twitter is a bubble, and critics are a bubble, because everybody is actively trying to cancel things that are universally beloved, like Lin-Manuel Miranda and like J.K. Rowling. And, I mean, I I thought it was kind of specious. I feel like that's such a difference, though. I feel like, you know, like, Lin-Manuel is a I don't say I don't think he's being canceled. No one is. That's exactly it. No but one I is trying JK to Rowling, cancel. For sure. I mean, she's a turf. Like that's like a different level of something. But I don't and even I think like people are trying to cancel Harry Potter as a result no, of J.K. No, Rowling being like a turf. Yeah, I don't think people are trying to cancel Harry Potter. I think people are, you know, don't accept her as sort of like even for the reunion with HBO Max. Like you would never see a Hamilton reunion without Lin Manuel Miranda. He's not doing anything like that awful and like just absolutely grotesque and terrible. But, like, J.K. JK Rowling is not included in that. Like, they act like the books just sort of existed in the reunion and just, like, were presented and, like, it's not about her as the writer of it. Yeah, and I read a piece where, like, HBO was asked to comment on that and they bar- they basically said nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, they so gave, like, like, the most non-statement statement about it ever. I feel like that's an unfair... Like, I feel like, you know, Lin-Manuel is in a different group than J.K. Rowling, who's an actively awful person. But, like... <laughs> You know, yeah, Lynn is just cringe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I th- that was one aspect of the piece that I took issue with is the fact that J.K. Rowling is being held to task for her moral failings. And, you know, Lin-Manuel doesn't have any, you know, immediately evident moral fa- yeah, failings like that we can point to. he's perfectly fine as a human being, you know, but like he's just cringe. Yeah, he's cringe. He's he wears hard on the sleeve all the time. Yeah. Like when I when I think of him, I think of the lip biting photo that yeah. went viral. You know, the fact that he was selling that on his own website too, like frame versions of like photos of himself. Yeah. Um, the way that he pronounces clit in uh, his audiobook reading of the um, brief life of Oscar Wilde. Yeah. <laughs> they got close all right, but did they ever kiss in her car? Did he ever put his hands up her skirt? Did he ever thumb her clit? I, I think of, you know, the fact that he casts himself as the romantic lead in yeah. Hamilton and, like, inserts himself into absolutely every single project that he does, despite the fact that he can't really sing. I think we're, we're at a good Lin-Manuel moment, right? Where it's, like, with Encanto and Tick, Tick, Boom, for example, too, where he directed <laughs> that. And, like, I know we have different opinions on it, but, like, these people love that movie. And, like, people really love the way that he directed it and love the fact that it's not Lin-Manuel. I mean, he's on screen very briefly, like, he can't help but put himself in something. He can't help himself. And I was seeing that with Encanto, yeah. too. Like, there were all these videos. Somebody did a video um, that was a POV, like, Lynn in the back of the studio while the rest of the cast records their lines where he's, like, blindfolded and held hostage so he can't <laughs> insert himself into it. Like, he cannot help himself yeah. but insert himself into all of But, like, honestly, I mean, we're both theater kids. Like, so yeah. are we. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, like, I feel like, again, it's— one of those things where he's, like, a name-brand person and for the people outside of the Twitter bubble and, like, outside of the, like, even the TikTok bubble and outside of the bubble of, like, being very online, he's a recognizable person that you want to see. Um, I think a lot of people don't, most of the world does not have this level of, like, ill will or cringiness when they think of Lin-Manuel, whereas he's, like, a big selling point. Like, he's a big star. Um, You know, so that's, like, it's he's an easy sort of person to insert because people care about him in that way. 
there is sort of like, there was this moment where, you know, after Hamilton, he was unimpeachable. And then the Zoomers started roasting him on TikTok incessantly and his stock plummeted a little bit. And now it's rising back up with Encanto yeah. and good for him because the movie slaps. Yeah. And the song slaps. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Straight people. So there was lots of straight people news this week. Big banner week for straight people. I was in the mm. mountains for most of it, and I still did not miss any of this news. What um, was the biggest straight people news to you? I So the biggest thing where I was like very actively excited was Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly mm. got engaged um, mm-hmm. to celebrate. They apparently drank each other's blood. No, they didn't. I would <laughs> like to believe they did, personally. No. I just no. want to believe that it happened. Just a little bit, just a little bit of blood. Why? Why do you want to believe it happened? Because I feel like it just makes sense. I feel like it makes sense for them to say that they did. Yeah. <laughs> to goth posture. Love, you know, goth love is love. Do you think they're rushing yeah. into it too soon? Are you worried about that? No. If they get divorced, we'll have a good time. But like <laughs> <laughs> it's not my life. I don't care how they, they could get married tomorrow. It doesn't affect me. I will watch the entire thing now. But I do like them. I think they're really cute. They've been together for like a year now. Um, They seem like a very genuine couple. I also just love that it's brought more Megan Fox into the world. Like, I just think she's so talented. It sucks that she got so blacklisted by Hollywood for, you know, basically shitting on like Michael Bay and being honest about her experiences. Um, But I hope that that means that we'll get even more of Megan Fox in the future. I hope she gets more movies. And in other straight people news, the other news I could not miss that was just like literally my favorite thing is Julia Fox and Kanye West are dating. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten two interview articles, which she has called Fox News, um, of updates on it. Uh, and they just can't stop taking insane photos together. So Julia Fox, if you're if you're unfamiliar, was Adam Sandler's mistress in Uncut Gems. Has she had, like, a big role since then? Like, is it, she was, like, kind of poised to be the next big thing, but yeah. I haven't... It's been, what has she so, done? So she basically was just kind of cast... She, this was her first movie ever, was being in Uncut Gems. She had basically met the Safdie brothers. I believe the way that they kind of came together, she met the Safdie brother, brothers, like, at some point, and they just, like, really built this role around her. Like, they were just so fascinated by her. She was just a, you know, kind of, like, New York... I don't want to say socialite, but just sort of a a girl on the scene for years and did some fashion stuff. And she was just like around. Um, And then Uncut Gems was the big role, but she really didn't do a lot after she's done a few movies. She did have a kid last year. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So, I mean, I mean, really, like, it was kind of in the interim she was pregnant and, and raising her her child um, because Uncut Gems came out in late 2019 and then the world went to shit. So it's kind of like the worst timing for you to have your breakout role. Mm-hmm. And then a pandemic hits. And then I'm sure that also put a damper on her getting cast for even more stuff because she was really poised to be the next big, like, Hollywood it girl. And she's talked about that a little bit in some of the... So there's... she's. In the process of her dating Kanye, basically, it started with them in Miami, and they went to Carbone in Miami. There was a lot of photos taken of them. This is, of course, after the Pete and Kim, Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian photos have already gone out, and they're becoming more official. All of a sudden, Kanye is with Julia. They're taking a lot of Miami photos. She's basically being styled by him. Soon after, they go back to New York together. They go to Carbone in New York. They're basically going to every Carbone in the United States. (laughs) And then, <laughs> the Carbone press tour. Did you like, <laughs> did you see the photos where she was like, he directed a photo shoot of me at Carbone yes, while the entire restaurant cheered and like, they did not, the the footage <laughs> does not indicate that there was cheering right. going so on. There was like a, um, an article that she did for Interview Magazine soon after this, which is like one, I think, I think it was fairly iconic. I think a lot of people thought this was in fact cringe, but I thought it was hilarious that this happened, but basically it was just called like, second date or first date or something. And it was the photos that Kanye had directed of her. He had basically rented out a hotel room and like brought all these clothes in to dress her like a doll. And like, then they took all these like photos of her, like straddling him. And she wrote in detail about their dates. And it was pretty, pretty amazing that that exists in the world. It was so, it is probably (laughs) the most explicitly orchestrated celebrity, like, PR orchestrated celebrity yeah. relationship I've ever seen. Like, It's I, I, pretty mesmerizing how just, like, insane it is from start to finish. There's there's this ongoing, like, conversation on TikTok in particular. Uh, I've seen it about, like, PR relationships, like, celebrity relationships that are bullshit and orchestrated either to, like, promote a certain project or to distract from a PR scandal. Like, some of the obvious yeah. examples of PR relationships are, like, Camila Cabello and, and Sean Mendez or Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas. I don't, can you think of any others? Um, I actually just saw some TikToks today about how people think Nick and Priyanka are. Of course, this is all alleged. Like, none of this, like, we have confirmation. But I, you can almost say most most celebrity relationships that seem to be very PR forward, seem to be tied to a project, seem to be tied to, like, giving someone more, like, coverage in the media or, like, help amplify their celebrity in any way is, in fact, a PR relationship. Yeah, and I think it's also important to note that, like, my understanding of this concept is that it's not entirely inorganic. Like, it's not like there isn't, there aren't genuine feelings. Yeah. Like, between the two parties, it's just often initiated by publicists or managers saying, like, oh, this person would be good for you, you know, for your image, or this person would be good to distract from, you know, some certain news story. And obviously— having that kind of relationship would be pretty instrumental for Kanye right now for a number of reasons, but primarily because his ex-wife, Kim Kardashian, is currently dating Pete Davidson. Yeah. So there's been also, like, a series of other controversies happening around not only Kim and Kanye, but, of course, the entire Kardashian West family. This is also a really good distraction from the Tristan and Chloe shit show that is happening between them. It's a good distraction from Travis Scott and Kylie and... You know, there's a lot of other ways that I think that people who care a lot about covering the Kardashians and, like, kind of love to, like, dissect the relationships have pointed out that this is all, like, really good P 
PR to kind of distract from the other things happening. There was also a sexual assault um, allegation against Kris Jenner from her former bodyguard that is in the news as well. But of course, you know, the the Kim and Pete and Julia and Kanye stuff is really juicy and all over. And it, what's interesting to me, though, is that, like it seems like Julia isn't even really like pretending that this isn't. I, well, I think it's, you know, it's really good for her. And she's putting out a lot of stuff. Um, I I think, like, the one thing about it, it's been interesting to see how people react to it because I think people have sort of gone to the route of, like, oh, he's, like, controlling her, blah, blah, blah. Like, she's literally said, like, I just gave up my entire life because this was easy. Like, she literally said in the last interview article that she did where she was just, like, she was, like, yeah, like, I just, like, kind of willingly gave up the stuff because it was just, like, why not? Um you know, I think she's she's been in the news a little bit more lately. She's kind of talked a lot about the stuff with her ex-husband and just, like, how awful and abusive he was and just, like, also about how a lot of the career stuff she was not expecting. Like, she was like, you know, I should have gotten, like, deals with, like, fa- fashion houses after Uncut Gems and things just, like, didn't happen that way. So this has been, like, a really good thing in terms of that. Like, I feel like she's just sort of also in – from the perspective that I have, of course, we don't know behind the scenes, but it does seem like she's a little bit more in control of the narrative in terms of the fact that she's literally the one talking and literally controlling the narrative around it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like her going in, because these these posts for interview that she's doing, like these weird little write-ups, like it's, yeah. it's kind of unprecedented, like as far as I'm concerned, like I, I don't, do you remember like, any one celebrity, like, giving another outlet, like, so explicitly, like, exclusive rights to cover an emerging relationship? Like, they're obviously celebrities forge I mean, deals with outlets. You, like, people, they'll give people, like, rights yeah. to publish baby photos and stuff. But this is, like, very explicit. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a a more sort of transparent way. I mean, I think the only other really comparison is the type of partnerships that Kim and Chris made for the Kardashian family with TMZ, you know, and just in terms of like having the exclusives on photos of like her and Kanye early in the relationship. But like, obviously it wasn't Kim writing it out. It was just sort of like, if he showed up on the reality show, that was part of that. But this is much more, this is much different and much more transparent. Yeah. And and there are people on TikTok pointing this out, like people who are in the industry and publicists who are, you know, making content that's pointing out you know, here are some red flags that this is not a real relationship. Like, for instance, the fact that, like, on their first date, he had a suite of clothes available for her for a photo shoot. Like, that's not standard organic first date behavior. She said when she got, went back to her hotel room, there was racks of clothes in her size. So you're telling me in 24 hours, Kanye had Balenciaga fly out clothes? Absolutely not. This was premeditated. It was 100% set up. But she's also, I mean, she's being so explicit about it. Like, there isn't even really a point to this content. Like, there's this one quote she gives in the interview post where she's talking about how um, her relationship with Kanye and how she was a good candidate for this position. Like, those are the exact words that she uses, like, as if if this was a job that she applied for. Yeah. Which it probably was to some degree. The other thing to also point out, again, like, I don't think this is a real relationship. I'm just obsessed with it. But, like, (laughs) like... The the clothing thing, that is kind of Kanye's kink, though. Like, he loves making over women. That's he did true. that with Amber Rose. He did that with Kim. You know, he did that immediately with Kim. He literally, like, there was an episode of the Kardashians where he was like, I had to clean out Kim's closet. Um, so this is kind of like a kink for him. 
So even do you if think it it's does, a kink or do you think it's just like a thing he enjoyed? But do you think there's like a sexual component? Oh, I think so. Because it's always with his girlfriend. It's not doing it with like Jay-Z. You know, <laughs> he's like, this is with his girlfriend. Like these are with women that he's presenting on his side. Like I, you know, I get why they're like, that's not normal first date behavior, but this is Kanye. <laughs> and that's literally what he does with every single girl that he dates. Like I'm sure he was just like, whoever shows up is getting these clothes. Yeah, exactly. He thinks of them as Barbie dolls. Which is why it's so funny that there was a photo shoot that Pete and and Julia did. Sort of, I think it was... No, Pete and Ariana weren't together anymore. I think this was like Pete becoming sort of famous in his own right post-Ariana. Mm-hmm. And Julia, of course, with Uncut Gems blowing up. Um, they did a photo shoot for Paper Magazine where they are literally stylized like, like Barbie and Ken <laughs> in the shoot. And like... Yeah. Doing, like, this very, like, sort of, like, American dreams kind of, like, them in a house and just, like, being, like, you know, Barbie and Ken in this house, um, which people, a lot of people shared and pointed out as being sort of a, a really funny kind of precursor to these two dueling relationships, which I, like, I have a theory that Pete and Julia plan this, but I do think that this is good publicity for both of them in terms of being able to, like, Pete to really take that step out of being on SNL and like having like a bigger career and being a bigger celebrity and Julia also getting back into Hollywood. Like she's um, the photos of, you know, those videos that were going viral of that awful looking hang with like Kanye and Madonna and, um, you know, I don't remember <laughs> it who looked else. So Antonio boring. Brown. It was so uncomfortable. None it of those so people wanted to be together. However, the very, so Julia and Madonna apparently are old friends and the photo that Madonna had posted was just of her and Julia first. And she said, we were having a meeting about my movie. Her, she, Madonna has a very big movie that she wrote about her life that she had a meeting with Julia about. Like, this is oh, all... Oh, that's going to be awful. This is all strategic. Like, it's all, like... It all seems... And that movie is co-written by Diablo Cody, who wrote Jennifer's Body, starring Megan Fox. It all comes full circle. This is like... Um, you're like... Um that photo of Charlie Day in front of the whiteboard. That's literally like, how I look every single day. <laughs> That's literally what I look like trying to explain celebrity news. There was a point where my friend, I don't even remember what we were talking about. A friend, oh, a friend asked me, was just like, oh, I wonder what Christina Milian is up to. And then I literally listed out everything she was up to. I don't know why I know it. What is she up to? Well, just well, name one everything. thing. Name one thing that she's she was up dating to. Lil Wayne. My friends didn't know. She, used to she was dating Lil Wayne. Wayne? I didn't know that. Yes. Oh my God. I can't, I can't carry all this knowledge if no one else carries it too. I'm glad I know that. Thank you for imparting that to yeah, me. Yeah, I wonder if they're still together. I don't think they are, but like they were together for a really long time, like longer than I think, in, like again, anyone realized. But I, anyway, I think they're plotting. I think they're plotting too. I think they have sleepovers. Think this, yeah, I think they literally like probably were just like, this is a good opportunity for both of us. And, and they is. were right. Yeah. It's very good. I feel like, you know, Pete's probably going to be casting something really big soon. Um, and he, I think there's been a lot of talks of stuff that he is like people are people are eyeing him for the Oscars to host the Oscars. Like, what is even what even? Actually, I do find Pete Davidson very funny. So I and hot. He's a little so but why I, does he I, he's I too him. good for the Oscars? Yeah, I don't think he I don't know. He might be fine for it. But like if they just kind of let him do whatever he wants, I'm sure it'll be fine. They're not going to let him do whatever he wants. Yeah. <laughs> they're undoubtedly not going. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's I, I think they're having sleepovers. I think they're plotting Yeah. W- to what end they're plotting. I don't know, but I definitely agree with you. They know each other and they've got some they've got they're playing chess and we're playing checkers. Right. 
Exactly. So in other news, another thing I did not miss in the mountains was the return of Euphoria, one of my favorite shows. And with the return of Euphoria, that means I now have a new lookbook for 2022 because the fashion on there is insane. So even as people were gearing up for it, um, there's a lot of content being made about Euphoria and a lot about especially the fashion and the clothes that the girls wear on there because... It, you know, they'll show up to school in, like, cut-out jumpsuits <laughs> and, like, low-rise pants and, like, bondage wear just to, like, go to math class. And so one of my favorite trends right now is just about that. So it's an audio from SpongeBob and Squidward is saying, where's your uniform? And then so someone's just kind of wearing regular clothes. And then the idea is, like, getting ready for school and remembering you go to Euphoria High and all of a sudden they come back in some, like, very, very extravagant outfit that's, like, just, like, too sexy to wear to school. I love the fashion of Euphoria, though. I love that they show up to school in the most insane outfits. I love that's how they dress just to, like, go, you know, learn about Shakespeare. Just very good. The reason why this trend in particular is so funny to me is because I had just assumed that's how Zoomers dress now. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I had no reason to think it was extreme. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I didn't, like, I feel like, you know, sometimes I'd be like, they're wearing that, to, like, you know, like the like party outfits. I'm just kind of like, that's like so much. I was wearing like, like boot cut jeans and like, <laughs> like Panic of the Disco shirts to go hang out with my friends. But I also didn't go to parties in high school. So maybe I just didn't know how people were dressing, but yeah, it's very, very Zoomer core anyway, like what we see on TikTok and what everyone's wearing. And also the fact that everyone who's doing this trend already has those clothes. <laughs> yeah, I'm like there's like, a reason why everybody it. has like the IMG jumpsuit <laughs> that Maddie wears in like the chili scene in the first season, like in their yes. closets. Yeah, I was like, everyone already owns this stuff. So we all go to Euphoria High. We all go to Euphoria High. <laughs> Um, there are very few things that have been keeping me sane over the past two years as much as Mo- this woman, Molly McCran, documenting her quest to sing the Louis Armstrong song, What a Wonderful World, One Letter at a Time. Have you been? Have you seen this at all? I have not. So basically, she's been doing this since last November. She has been singing only one letter of What a Wonderful World, and then she duets her past versions of it so it comes together. And she started with the S's. And then she added the T's. And then she added the M's, the K's, the L's, and so on and so forth. She has developed like the small cult following for this with people watching her like gradual descent into madness and there are some people like she has some detractors along the way like people have been begging her to do the vowels for months because she was only doing consonants for a while some people said she should do like phonemes like breaking them down into sound so it could come together more cohesively at the end but like that was never the point like the point was that we were just watching this person's slow descent into madness by embarking on this insane Journey. It was kind of like um, the himbo who sucks on the gummy snake that we were talking yeah. about a couple episodes. Did we need to check in that? on him. No, I don't think he finished it. Next episode, we'll check in on him. Day six, sucking on the world's biggest gummy snake. I hope he's not dead. That would be bad. 
I hope he doesn't. Yeah. Let's hope he's not pre-diabetic from all the gummy worm. <laughs> it's concerning. I feel like he would know. I feel like that is perhaps a, a te- like he wouldn't embark on that challenge if he were die like had a propensity toward pre-diabetes. Yeah. But maybe we're maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. We'll find out. Stay tuned <laughs> for the next episode. Don't let this flop. We'll check in on the man sucking a giant gummy worm. But this woman, like, she just finished it. She debuted the full song. She finally added the W's. <laughs> it was a huge deal. It was, like, triumphant for the people who had been following it. Guess if it sounded good. Did it sound good? No, it didn't sound good. It sounds awful. <laughs> it does not okay, It does wait. not come together at all. <laughs> I need to listen to it. Oh, this sounds awful. <laughs> also, why is she in, like, a bunch of weird, like, makeup? Because she basically, like, she added this thing where she was, like, descending into madness with every letter she adds. So she started doing, like, Joker makeup. Oh, my God. I do. Yeah. I I actually actively did not enjoy that. (laughs) It kind of makes me wonder, like, whether that was the point. Like, if this was some sort of, like, meta commentary on, like, these sorts of videos that tend to go viral on TikTok that, like, document this ongoing project towards no end and she was trying to prove like how truly empty that I like I don't know that was deeply unsatisfying to watch it was it's deeply unsatisfying watching it it's the most anticlimactic thing (laughs) that I've ever witnessed and it was really fun to watch like it was it's been I have not yeah I thought I would lose interest by like the 16th letter but no like it's it is quite a feat though like I feel like my brain hurts from the idea of breaking down the entire song to like get all of the letters and like the the I don't know just like knowing how to do that I do Seems wonder why she I do wonder why she chose that song would you have like a particular relationship with that song do you have an opinion about that song it's a perfectly fine song that's exactly how I feel I, I actually yeah. I think I, I think would say was- I like that song I feel like it's probably because it's instantly recognizable and it's simple. I would love to ask her why she chose it. I would love to ask her which letter was the... I'd love to have her on the pod. I'd love yeah. to have her on the pod with the himbo. The gummy snake yes. himbo. Yeah. I feel like they'd have a lot to talk about. I know. The uh, Yeah, we need to find out if he finished. I am very cur- curious. I think to myself What a wonderful And now it's time for Himbo of the Week. Speaking of a great himbo, this is the return himbo. We've talked about Francis Bourgeois like three times now on the podcast, <laughs> but I, I'm i just simply obsessed with him. And he's just very newsy. Like there's a lot to talk about with him. There is a lot so, to talk about with him. Yeah. Just to briefly catch up on Francis Bourgeois and the types of conversations we had about him. We have celebrated his deeply soothing and earnest train content in the past. We did that for, I believe it was the the Thanksgiving episode or the holiday episode where we talked about just like him generally and how much we loved him and his just train spotting content. Then we did a recent catch up about and crowned him a himbo of the week because we talked about how he has a past of being a roadman. An actual Um, himbo. Possibly. Yes, an actual himbo. Allegedly. 
and is a model and all this other stuff. Today, we've seen the latest update in Francis Bourgeois, which is that he was joined by Joe Jonas in a TikTok. I'm train spotting on the West Coast mainline today with my friend Joe. Hello. Joe's come from America. Yes. Please. 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 Oh. Oh. Come on. I screamed when I saw this. I was so mad you were on vacation. I know. Even though I have dragged the Jonas Brothers for the Biden video that they did, I do love the Jonas Brothers. I would die for Joe. I have weaseled my way into interviewing him multiple times. Just like a a psycho stalker. So this was deeply good content for me. Like this was like very perfect Britney baited content of Joe Jonas looking hot with Francis Bourgeois, who I would date, and trains. Has Joe Jonas always been cool? I wanted to ask you this as someone who's interviewed him. Like, because it seems like this transformation like happened overnight. So, okay. So it's been, there's been a journey, right? In Jonas lore, Mm -hmm. where I think like in the early years of the Jonas Brothers, Joe being the like main singer, um, you know, the singing is between Nick and Joe, but Joe didn't play an instrument. So he was sort of tasked with being the main singer. He was also like the one who was like, you know, he was just like the hottest one for the longest time, I feel like. And then like Nick was like cute to people who were younger. Kevin, I don't know. Some people like Kevin. (laughs) <laughs> and but Joe was like the hot one, like he was the lead in Camp Rock, like he was the lead in the show. He was the one that dated Taylor Swift and like dated like other like really like a bunch of like actresses and stuff. Um, then Nick got really hot and then Joe kind of disappeared for a little bit, not disappeared, but he was like not as famous for a little bit. And he was like he had a failed solo career. Then he joined DNCE that did a little bit better. I love DNCE. Um, I thought they were a great band. Cake by the Ocean. Incredible song. Same. And, um, but Nick, he got really buff. He started acting a lot. He was in Scream Queens. He was in Jumanji. Like, he became, like, a big actor. And, like, he became the most famous one. And then they reunited. And now the thirst for Joe has returned because Joe is also really buff right now. And he's also, he's always been the funniest. That's the other thing about Joe. Is that he was always the funniest Jonas brother. Like he, like Nick always took himself a little bit too seriously. Mm-hmm. Kevin, a, like a little more like tactical and like shy sometimes, like in terms of the interviews. Joe was always the funniest one. Like he always made silly content um, on like MySpace or like on the Jonas Brothers like Twitter page. Um, he was always notable for being kind of like the goofy brother. He's much closer to like Frankie in terms of personality, as we know, Frankie Jonas is very popular on TikTok. But Joe has a really, really good TikTok. He's very funny on it. And he's always been really funny on it. And so I'm glad people are now also appreciating the fact that Joe has always been the funniest Jonas brother. Well, second funniest after Frankie. But funniest in the band. It's such a smart collab. Like, there's, I was so much more excited to see him with Francis Bourgeois than with Joe Biden, like, by many, many degrees of magnitude. Like, the only yeah. smarter possible collab that he could have done is with um, those twins who gay bait, who we talked about, yeah. who won Himbo of the Week yeah. <laughs> a couple of months ago. Like, the twins who, like, um, who danced yeah. sexily and, like, almost kissed. That would be a great collab for him. Yeah. Joe has always had, like, the best sense of humor, I would say, of the Jonas Brothers. Like, he's been the one who's always, like, I feel like Nick always was, especially when Nick was trying to go solo, um, he had less of a sense of humor about it. But I feel like Joe has always had, like, a good sense of humor about the band and about himself. Like, he's always been a very – the silliest Jones brother. So, 
he is also deeply online. So he's always like reacting to stuff. I don't know how much you've seen the Jonas Brothers on TikTok. I get I get served them a Generally. lot. I think so, I think that TikTok thinks I'm a little younger than I am, <laughs> which makes sense because I did actually have a Jonas Brothers poster in my dorm room in college, my freshman yeah. or sophomore year, which everybody made fun of me for. But yeah, I get <laughs> a lot hot. of Jonas Brothers. Con- they're really fucking yeah. hot. They're all they're I am all, a Kevin stan. I always have yeah. been and I always will be. I love a man with thick eyebrows. Yes. And like they they all have TikTok accounts. They all are really, really funny on it. Joe is the one who typically is like in the comments of various stuff. Like he's like in the comments of random TikToks, you'll see him. And he's like the one who seems to be like on TikTok the most. Like he seems very aware of the trends happening on TikTok and has a very good time with them. So he's like very, he's like the most online of of the Jonas Brothers. Again, other than Frankie, I'm talking about the band properly. Obviously Frankie is like, the most elite Jonas brother, but in the band, Joe is the most online. So he's like very aware. So it's, it's very clear. Like he knows what the trends are. He knows about Francis. He, pro- I think he's commented a lot of Francis's videos in the past. Um, it makes sense that they would eventually link up. I just didn't expect it to happen so soon. And I'm so thrilled that it happened. His wife is also pretty online too, right? Sophie oh, Turner. Yeah. She's very funny because like she, um, She's, like, a huge Taylor Swift fan. And obviously, as we know, there's, like, four albums of Taylor Swift songs about mm-hmm. Joe Jonas and about their, like, two-month relationship. And Sophie was, like, sharing a bunch of, like, songs from, like, Fearless after it was released, which is the album very famously dragging Joe for the way that he broke up with Taylor. And Sophie was, like, sharing those songs. So she's very online and has a very good sort of, like, sense of humor about it and jokes a lot about um, Joe content. I really hope that's not a PR relationship. I don't think it is. I really love it. Is. I really love they're them together. Yeah. They're they're super low key. They're super funny. And they got married in Vegas. Like they just kind of like are chill. The only way that video, the Francois, the Francis Bourgeois video, and the Joe Jonas video would have been better is if they'd kissed. Yeah, they should have made out a little bit. I don't know why. They, I don't see why they didn't. I think. I mean, most most. I think we can agree. Most himbo content would be better. If they all kissed. Yes. But it's just two women's opinions. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to Don't Let This Flop, This Week in TikTok, brought to you by Rolling Stone and Cumulus Podcast Network, written and hosted by me, EJ Dixon, and Brittany Spanos. Executive produced by Jason Fine, Bridget Shelsey, and Elizabeth Garber-Paul, edited by Dan Stein, and original music composed by Daniel Mertzlove. See you next week. 